This is For The Win, a podcast on sports and sports culture. I'm Eddie Sun, the multimedia editor for Annenberg Media Sports, as well as the producer of this podcast. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the For The Win podcast. I'm Carlo Jimenez. I'll be your host for this one. Today, we'll be talking all-star break along with some NBA basketball and the signing of Dak Prescott, but let me introduce our all-star group of podcasters today, Eddie Sun, Christian Colinaris, and Jordan McGee. Guys, thanks for joining us. Let's jump right into it. Anything jump out at you from this weekend's all-star, all-in-one-day festivities? I mean, I think that, you know, we saw a great three-point contest, like one that was super exciting. The game, not very eventful. The dunk contest, some people said it was among the worst they've seen. The skills competition, you know, that could probably go nameless. So in other words, it was really just business as usual. You know, how many years now have we seen a really exhilarating three-point contest where and and um, everything else has just been kind of, you know, nothing much to talk about. So whether it was a success or not, you know, that's that's questionable, but I think nothing really jumped out. It's just the same as almost every other year. Yeah, I mean, last episode, we kind of talked about what we were expecting out of this all-star game. And a lot of um, our hosts said, like, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a new record of uh, low motivation. And you would be able to tell that they don't want to be out there. And I don't think we were necessarily wrong, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, piggybacking off of what Christian just said, I don't even really know why they attempted to have this uh, this All-Star weekend. I mean, I would have been content just watching the guys play like a 2K tournament instead. Um, but in terms of, yeah, exactly, like how they did for the Pro Bowl. Um, but in terms of like what transpired, um, you know, the dunk contest, that's usually... I usually care about, you know, the three-point and dunk contest more than the game itself. So the fact that they put it in the halftime, I, I don't really know why you would want to rush a main event like that. Um, you know, there were some good dunks, but overall, um, I think it seemed a little bit rushed and uh, didn't really have the flair that we're accustomed to seeing. Um, it was great to see Steph show out. Um, and in terms of the game itself, you know, Giannis took home MVP, but... I, I, I would have loved to see Damian Lillard take home the uh, the honor after hitting the game winner after pulling up from the parking lot, but um, that's just me. Yeah, that was my favorite part, honestly, the whole weekend was watching Dame and Steph trade half-court shots that look like pull-up jumpers from 45 feet, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Jordan. The, the dunk contest seemed rushed. To put it at halftime, too, was weird. But after watching the first couple of dunks, I was glad it was rushed because it was horrible. Like, I I think, like, some of the dunks were, were kind of impressive. But, you know, uh, I just, there was not, you want to be odd in a dunk contest, and I, I was not odd. I was not odd. So. I mean, I feel like after the dunk contest roster was released, um, it almost kind of deflated NBA's fans' expectations for it. Um, and, and I don't mean to hate on these guys, but... Uh, we kind of discussed it before, like, there really wasn't any headliners. And I think the three-point contest, the skills challenge definitely had some headliners. And even then, uh, I, I think the three-point contest was definitely more entertaining, entertaining, but the skills contest is usually the forgotten child of All-Star Weekend. Yeah, to your point, Christian, 
Um, I feel like this would have been the year if Zion wanted to do the dunk contest. This should have been the year he done it or he did it. Um, you know, with him being a first time All Star, you know, typically these guys don't want to do it as they progress later on in their careers. Um, and to your point, like, um, I feel like the dunk contest now is just uh, the participants are mainly just a bunch of guys that had a bunch of hops in high school and made it to the NBA or were uh, Ball's Life mixtape guys. Um, but I think there was one good aspect that was uh, that came out of this weekend in terms of the dunk contest. And I was happy to see that they didn't give as many 10s. Um, I feel like the past couple contests, they just give 10s for everything. And I was I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that they were a little bit stricter and kind of made it a little bit more competitive. And hopefully they can take that into future contests. Dwayne Wade setting precedent with you there. They were talking about on the broadcast, the Wade rule, you know, the Wade exception that they, they voted for the player in the final round and not give him scores. But no, I'm 100% with you there, Jordan, about the scoring. I will say, though, I didn't think that Anthony Simons had hops like that. Yeah, I didn't I thought he was going to be the forgotten player. You know, like, if he had that sort of athleticism, he should show it off in game more because he plays like, you know, he, he barely jumps over a phone book in games. So, you know, no disrespect to Anthony Simons, but if you got it like that, you know, show it out a little more. But um, I will say for the game itself, I know you brought up the MVP, Jordan, talking about Damian Lillard. You know, I feel like Giannis won the, I won't say the most fraudulent All-Star MVP award. I don't think anyone cares about the All-Star MVP award like that, but you know, he made a couple threes, but it was also a lot of just, you know, catching alley-oops and stuff. I feel like I really appreciated that Steph um, and Dame tried to bring whatever sort of excitement into the game that they could. You know, like, there there were limited fans. They pumped in crowd noise. So it's really hard to get these players going, and I feel like Steph really tried to rally the troops, really get people excited. You saw during the broadcast that they had, you know, the camera on him, you know, kind of making fun at people, like, laughing, doing all that stuff. So... You know, I feel like MVP or not, just we he, we should probably give Steph some credit for having fun with you know the festivities, even when maybe much a bunch of the players didn't even want to be there. Yeah, now I don't want to I don't want to open a can of worms here, but we saw that Steph and Dame pull up from half court, and there's been rumblings about a four point shot. Anybody have some quick objections to the an idea of a four point shot from half court? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a horrible idea. And on top of that, I have to disagree with you guys. I might be taking, or this might be a hot take here, but I actually think Giannis deserved MVP. He was just not as fun as Stefan Lillard. But, I mean, he won 16 for 16 with 35 points. It's kind of just a ridiculous Giannis game. I mean, if I had wide open layups... I might go like 15 for 16. Hey, but. I mean, LeBron went two for seven, and he had some, so. LeBron was chilling. The guy who missed dunks was Zion Williamson. I was glad he wasn't in the dunk contest after his all-star <laughs> game performance. That's a fair point. For me, like, in terms of the four-point rule, I, I agree with Christian. I think, like, it's only going to further push for analytics in the NBA. Um, but on the conversation of Steph, I was just – I've always wanted to see Steph and LeBron be on the same team because I feel like – Personally, I feel like that's the best dynamic duo you could put together. It's like an upgrade of like Kyrie and LeBron. So to see them on the same team was awesome. Um, it was kind of like a dream, um, dream combination that we'll probably never see, but um, I enjoyed it while we did. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm the only one who wants to see half-court shots in regular season NBA games, but we'll, we'll move on. 
Uh, let's Probably talk- makes sense that you're a Warriors fan. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I had the most fun watching those guys hit half court shots. I feel like if that was if that was a thing, I'd have a lot of fun. Um, let's move on to somebody who is is having a lot of fun after signing a contract extension. Dak Prescott, guys, uh, is going to make seventy five million dollars in his first year of his contract. That's a lot of money. Uh, does he deserve a lot of money? Yes, he does. Absolutely. I know. I'm willing to bet most of you guys are going to disagree with me here, but, you know, I think he's been a good quarterback. He's uh, on pace to finish as uh, the passing yards leader. Um, he He's he's a smart quarterback, and I think the Cowboys are pretty, pretty sorry, and that's a, one of the few bright spots on their team, especially considering his age. I'm actually going to say uh, with Christian here that you know, you'll you'll never catch me um, going at a player for getting their money, and and not in this instance, definitely not, because you know Dallas kind of dragged out their negotiations a little bit with their quarterback. You know, Jerry Jones is trying to play this game with Dak Prescott, and the thing about football is that you know these sort of negotiations can get really tenuous, and especially when you talk about a um, you know a major injury that Dak Prescott suffered. It can really complicate these sort of things. So I'm really glad that he got his money and not just, you know, some money. He got, you know, record breaking money and he really deserves it. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, players are still getting their share. I'm glad that great players are still, you know, putting their foot down on ownership, putting their foot down on the front office saying, I'm a great player. Here's what I'm worth. So I'm 100 percent on board with Dallas giving them that money. But even more importantly, I'm glad that Dak, you know, basically told Dallas, I'm worth this much. You're going to give me this much. No, I agree with you, Eddie. I mean, same with you. I love to see players get the compensation that, you know, they ultimately reserve or deserve. And, you know, him coming off of, you know, a devastating injury. Um, it's great to see that he has some security um, in his contract. Um, for me, it's just tough to look at the names he's getting paid uh, more than or for next season. You know, the only guy that's making more than him is Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, I don't think most of us would say that Dak Prescott is the second best quarterback in the league, if not a top five. But to your point, he did deserve to get paid. Um, Cowboys offered him the max. I mean, I feel like they kind of had to after how long they dragged it out. But to me, it's just amazing he's getting paid more than Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you know, guys of that stature. But um, I'm happy for Dak. Yeah, uh, I'll disagree with everyone. I, I think this is a comfort move for Jerry Jones and this Cowboys organization. You're talking about the star, and I know like they're not America's team anymore, but I think you can get bigger fish than this if you're the Cowboys, and there's other guys out there who can who who would be willing to play for one of the biggest markets in football. And to pick that pre- Dak Prescott, yeah, he's a good QB. Yeah, you might make the playoffs, but it to me, it's really like a Tony Romo 2.0. Like, are we picking the guy because we like him and he can kind of play football? Or are we being aggressive and going out and getting somebody who can really play and try to turn this organization around? It just it feels like another comfort pick from the Cowboys who would rather be comfortable and mediocre than maybe get some guys, take some risks, and be really good. I actually totally agree with that, especially considering like the state of the league, especially with all these quarterbacks who have openly said they're like willing to part ways with the team they're at with. And one of those guys being Russell Wilson and one of the teams on his list is the Cowboys. I feel like they should have at least tried to pursue that. I, we don't, we 
can't know like if they actually did, but um, I hope they did. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree with you on that point, Carlo. There were rumors swirling around that the Cowboys had no intention to pursue Russell Wilson and that their focus was on Dak Prescott. And I actually think that was a smart move. I, I don't think uh, Russell Wilson is significantly better at all than Dak Prescott. And it's very important to keep in mind that Dak Prescott is younger. And, you know, he was averaging 371 yards per game this year. Like, he was quite literally the only bright spot on that team and prior to that he had 4900 yards and 30 touchdowns i think he's great i actually think at this point in time i would even do exactly what the cowboys did i'd rather sign dak prescott than russell wilson what yeah i think that's a <laughs> yes <Huh? laughs> Wait, you're, are you 100%. serious? 100%. I think now, now we know yes, why 100%. you're not running the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> I think I think if you ask every GM in the NFL if you'd rather have a Super Bowl winning MVP who just put his team to the playoffs by getting hit the most times than any other quarterback in the NFL with a line that was better that was maybe better than some Jets. And an awful fridge. defense. Yeah, and a defense that was bottom five, and they were not bad. And they brought Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf had career years, career years, and he had no O line. I don't, I don't know, I don't I don't think I agree with that one, Christian. I I know you guys don't <laughs> agree. Um, I think both O lines are bad this year, though. Obviously, Seahawks was worse, um, but it must be kept in mind, dude. The the past or the last five weeks of the season, the Seahawks were top ten in defensive turnovers per game. They were expected to be the worst defense after the first 11 weeks, but after the uh, full 16 weeks, they weren't. They weren't uh, historically the worst defense that they were out to be because they actually did close out the season well, and I thought their loss to the Rams was extremely predictable. I will say, you know, it's cool if Dallas can maybe get a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson and, you know, they, they go bonkers and trade for him. But if they swing and miss and you don't re-sign Dak Prescott, you're left with another season of Andy Dalton. You know, you're left with another season of, who was their quarterback, Ben DiNucci. But that's what, that's so, what they've been. You know, sometimes that's you, just, what they've been. You, you, just have to, you just have to lock up a, a good player when you have him sometimes. I think more than anything, it's the age, though. And that's just me clarifying since all of you guys disagree. I'll take quality over quantity. I'll any stand day by my week, point. Though. Yeah, I think there's a guy in Tampa Bay who might prove that you can play a little longer. Yeah, Russell Wilson ain't Tom Brady. You're right, you're right. Although he does spend nearly a million and a half on his body every year, according to him. So who knows? Um... Let's move back to the hardwood basketball. Uh, we got some more basketball uh, this year. A lot of surprises. A lot of teams that are trying to make a run. A lot of teams that are trying to continue playing well. Uh, anybody who you think things will go downhill or uphill for on the second half of the year? I like I like the downhill. That that wasn't on the notes, but uh, this gives me the opportunity. I think um, the Jazz are going downhill. They started way too hot. They have good depth, good coaching, good leadership, limited star power, good defense too, though. Um, but I just think as soon as the playoffs start, man, that team's going to get exposed. But if we're talking second half of the season, 
Boston and Miami, I could see them increasing their win percentage, super slow starts, a lot of talent. Uh, I could see them fixing it up. What about you guys? Uh, I just want to point out that a year ago, Rudy Gobert touched all those microphones, which I think is a little odd that here we are. This is exactly why I said Jazz will be disappointing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the Suns are going up. I think the Suns are the Suns are the two seed right now in the West. I think one of the bigger surprises uh, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they they win close games. I mean, you saw what Chris Paul did in the playoffs last year and Booker as well, and you're talking about two guys who are good in the clutch. Um, and that's what you have to do down the stretch. I mean, games get tighter. There's going to be a target on their back now, considering they're that two seed. And I think they're they're going to be able to win close games. And I think they'll keep. I don't know if they'll get that one seed, but I think they'll be top four by the playoffs come around, which I think is going to be huge for them. I was just going to say the West is tough. So you know, flip it to the Eastern Conference, where I think all but three teams are under five hundred or at five hundred. Um, one of those five hundred teams are the Toronto Raptors, and they surprised me by getting off to a slow start because they kept most of their core pieces. They still have Kyle Lowry, who I think is still extremely underrated, even after, you know, performing well in the playoffs the last couple of years. Ooh, even this year too, huh? Pe- people aren't talking about him like a premier point guard, and he is one. Um, Fred Van Vliet, we've talked about him on this show. He's been, you know, a consummate professional, really good player. Um and then you talk about just depth up and down the roster. You have Norman Powell, who's a microwave scorer. OG Ananobi is one of the most underrated 3 and D wings in the league right now. Chris Boucher has been really good as a six-man off the bench for them. And that's not even, you know, their biggest strength. Their biggest strength is their coaching. Nick Nurse is probably the best coach in the league. They're such a well-coached team. I think that, you know, them playing in Tampa Bay this year, them being away from home has kind of disrupted things. But... As a season kind of comes down the line and they have to prepare for the playoffs, everybody's going to be in that locked-in mindset. They're going to play hard. They're going to play together. They're going to play tough. You know, they're going to play really great on both ends of the floor and execute. And, you know, they're going to be dangerous in this Eastern Conference where there's not a lot of good teams right now. And they're going to give teams a run for their money. I'm I'm sorry, Eddie, but I I have to dispute here. I don't think 14.8 points per game and 6.2 assists per game on 42% shooting is premier point guard level at all. I think they actually might be better off if they played their first half of the season with LaMelo Ball at point guard. This man has, just watching a few games, has looked nothing short of a shell of himself. He's capable of so much, and it's been pretty disappointing watching Kyle Lowry this season, in my opinion. Not this year, but he is doing the veteran routine. He's doing the veteran routine where he's just conserving his energy, you know. He's still playing 34.6 minutes per game. He's playing a lot. And that's on a 34-year-old body. I don't trust that man. They spread the ball around a lot in Toronto. I mean, I feel like with the Raptors, ever since the finals, we've kind of waited for Pascal Siakam to like really make the jump, and that just hasn't happened yet. So I, I, li- I really like Nick Nurse and the way that the Raptors play, so I think in the Eastern Conference they could definitely make some noise. In the West, I honestly, you know, I think the Jazz, I was high on the Jazz before last season, and this is, and it didn't really turn out that well, but... Uh, I think this is the team that I expected to see last season. And, you know, they did get off to a hot start. Um, they got a ton of three-point shooting. Jordan Clarkson's doing great as well. Um, but I just don't see them 
sticking at the number one spot. I see actually the Jazz and Suns probably slipping a little bit down. Uh, not out of playoff contention by any means, but I think um, I see the Lakers taking the number one seed. I feel like it's just going to be a cakewalk for LeBron. He just does it every year. And um, I think a lot of people are still forgetting that the Nuggets beat the Clippers last season and gave the Lakers a fight. Like, I don't think many people, like, saw them as a threat to actually knock out the Lakers. But I think the Nuggets could potentially move up to, you know, that six to three range. Um, but I, I also think the Clippers will probably go all in and make some sort of blockbuster trade of some sort um, before the trade deadline. Cause this is the year where they got to make it out of the West if they want to keep their core of Paul George and Kawhi yeah. together. Yeah. You're right. They didn't, they, if they, you don't get it this year, you traded away that future now you're really stuck. Now, you, now you're going to go into a new arena with a bunch of nobodies uh, over there by the forum. So good luck with that. Um, I just want to clarify my earlier point. Uh, Kyle Lowry is actually averaging 18 and 7 on 45% shooting. So if anything, that's more ammo to you, Eddie. My bad. Appreciate it. Um, he's not, he's not, I, I was surprised when I heard 14 points a game. I just thought he was doing better than that. But, I mean, to Jordan's point about the Nuggets... Um, they were kind of disappointing to start the year, but Nikola Jokic is a legit MVP candidate. And I mean, when him and Michael Porter and Jamal Murray played together, um, they're running teams off the floor. It's just about getting all three of them healthy on the court, you know, playing at their peak at the same time. And I think that's really doable. So you're right. They, they're definitely a really dangerous team. Aren't you guys worried about that defense, though? I mean, we saw it get exposed against like a well-organized team in the Lakers last year. To their, uh, to their, you know, um, defense though that was in the Western Conference Finals, but it's not like they necessarily played great defensive teams with the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Clippers. But are you guys not afraid at all of that defense heading forward? I would. I'm not as concerned based off of last season, just because you know they came off of two seven game series and then had to go against you know arguably the greatest player of all time with the best player he's ever played with, with LeBron and AD. So I don't think that's necessarily telling, but, you know, for me, I'm kind of waiting to see that Jamal Murray we saw in the bubble. You know, everyone refers to, you know, bubble Jamal Murray, and hopefully that there can be some sort of um, return in the playoffs of that. But I think the, yeah, I think Nicole Jokic is pretty, has solidified himself as, you know, an MVP guy. He's going to be consistent for me, it's 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 really about MPJ and whether he can like like Siakam kind of take that next step. Not to say that those two are like at the same level yet, but MPJ, you know, he was coming out of high school. He was the number one player. Everyone thought, you know, he could be the next KD, and you know, he's been okay in the NBA. You know, after coming off of a bunch of injuries, but you know, that guy, that guy, if he if he gets it all all figured out, you know, he could be he could be the difference in what pushes the Nuggets over the top. I will say it comes down to if the Nuggets will outscore teams. They're definitely not going to, you know, yeah. hold teams down to a certain point amount. Yeah, it'll be like it will. It, I mean, I, I would pay anything to see Murray and Mitchell go back at it again like they did last in the bubble. That would be a, that would be fun. Might happen. Might happen. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the For the Win podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll See if those teams that we picked go up or downhill. And always remember to go for the win.
Thanks for tuning in to For the Win, and remember to stay tuned for new episodes.